Amateur athletics is as old as civilization, and now money wants to ruin that? Oh yeah? Well, if you think colleges can just bathe in pools of money while players live on macaroni and cheese and pay off their student loans, then we're going to have a problem. Well, if you demand that college athletes get paid, then unfriend me! Hello, everybody. <laughs> Are you okay? You have a cold. You shouldn't oh, be doing that. Oh, I'm playing hurt. That one took a little out of me. I was going to say, you don't have the oxygen levels and stuff of a normal man until this virus <laughs> has left you. Don't do that. Seriously. <laughs> He's going to pass out and die. Oh, what a great way to die, though, right? <laughs> he died yelling, uh, making fun of people who yell. Yeah, doing what he loves. Uh, that's yeah, what we all want exactly. to have on our gravestones. It's Unfriend Me, everybody. We're back, and welcome back, everybody. Uh, Justin is here. Uh, it doesn't matter if he's sick. He doesn't care. He's going to do it anyway. And uh, we uh, we got all kinds of cool stuff to talk about today. But, Justin, as always, we like to take a little bit of a look back, don't we? Indeed. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, uh, separating the art from the artist. And uh, we got a ton of great emails, including a bunch that we didn't uh, uh, that we're not going to have a chance to read, but uh, but always send your opinions. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, going forward, we might have something new with a lot of those uh, emails that come in. So even if you're listening to an old episode, please feel free to continue to send in emails on these topics. We get a ton of email from our back catalog, and uh, we are hopefully going to do cool stuff with that going forward. But let's go ahead and start here with feedback from Art versus the Artist. Fred wrote, Given that Justin is an ex-journalist, I did want to point out that he got a lot of the facts wrong in his retelling of the Spade, Cooley, and Roman Polanski stories. Justin implied that Cooley was getting off scot-free with a pardon from Reagan due to his fame as the king of Western Swing. In fact, Cooley served nine years for murder in a Vacaville state prison, and by the time that he was granted parole, he was all but forgotten. He did, in fact, die of a heart attack before he was released. And Polanski, the original five-foot pole that nobody wants to be touched by, may have been insulted by somebody at a party somewhere, sometime, but it wasn't 13-year-old Samantha Geimer, uh, who he abused at Jack Nicholson's house during a so-called photo shoot. Uh, Nicholson wasn't there, but his then-girlfriend, Angelica Houston, was. Okay, so I definitely got the facts in the Roman Polanski thing wrong. Yeah, I yeah. would quibble, this is my quibble, <laughs> that I, I don't think I got anything Wrong in the Spade Cooley uh, retelling, although uh, uh, certainly I condensed the timeline. Uh, he did spend nine years in prison, although I think it would be disingenuous to say that he wouldn't have gotten the push for parole if he were not the king of Western Swing. He wasn't just a random guy who was in prison uh, that was having, you know, being petitioned for release. Uh, I think that his fame played a part in that, as I am aware of the story at the very least, down to the fact that he was playing a benefit concert uh, uh, for law enforcement, I think, the night that he died. Oh, man. So yeah. he was at least famous enough to play a benefit concert, however famous that might be. Well, well done, fact checker Fred. That's what we're going to call him from now on. Steven Schleicher wrote in and says, I've struggled with this for years as I really love the Cthulhu mythos created by H.P. Lovecraft. Unfortunately, Lovecraft was a huge racist. Don't ever look up what he called his black cat. That being said, I think we can still enjoy the Cthulhu mythos 
because the art has grown beyond the creator. It's an interesting example, Stephen, and I think I'm with you on that one. It's par- oh, oh my god! I just <laughs> looked up what he called his black cat. Oh, I don't even want to know. Do I want to know? It's uh, it has two G's in it. Oh, really? All right. Well, I ain't looking it up then. That's no good. Yeah. That's not even nice to your cat. <laughs> F. Yeah. Yeah, not pretty good. bad. Not cool. Brian wrote uh, one topic that was uh, not brought up is how we judge the transgression in the framework of its time in history. For example, Roy Moore is a bit of a pretty awful person today and no, uh, no doubt and no doubt a man in his mid 30s pursuing, quote unquote, jailbait today would be by all accounts uh, w- would end up or end up with him in the sex offender database. But that being said, in the Deep South, many decades ago, it probably wasn't that abnormal of a behavior. Uh, where the norms of society were different at the time. When we hear about sexually aggressive behavior from guys like Dustin Hoffman and Aziz Ansari, do we judge them differently based on the era that they happened? I'm going mean, to say, uh, in the case of Ansari, maybe, but you're talking about an era for Hoffman that was roughly the same era as a 30-year-old Roy Moore. So uh, I, I don't know if those two are comparable. Also, I, I hesitate to lump the entire South into some sort of ancient uh, place where... All rules are off the table. Um, that being said, I have some s- Southern relatives who are really good at sweeping things under the rug, let's say. Uh, so there maybe is a cultural uh, thing happening there where you would rather look the other way than face what's actually happening. Again, limited experience. So don't, you know, don't take that with the grain of salt it is meant to be. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. This is a hard one because two decades ago for you is, is two decades ago for somebody else may not be the exact same thing and maybe that's his point i don't know well i mean i think uh, the, the the issue i think would be more cultural than it is time I, I, so let, let's let's cut out aziz ansari and, and dustin hoffman with the roy moore thing uh, and ultimately he was somebody that was unelectable even in a state where they only elect republicans uh there is i think an element of in small town culture right i don't necessarily think it is specifically to do with the south in an era where things are a lot less connected the idea of, well, my 16-year-old really, you know, her last boyfriend was a 17-year-old who, you know, uh, uh, accidentally drove his car off the road because he drank too much, or a 30-year-old lawyer who has a nice house and would give her a good life, there's a different story there. Now, mm-hmm. Roy Moore uh, obviously uh, had, had transgressions that even in that culture went beyond the law. <laughs> So uh, uh, I think that that ultimately is how he was judged in the modern. I think so. Dav wrote in said, it's interesting that you didn't bring up quite possibly the most two famous people who committed atrocities. Hitler (laughs) was also a painter who was apparently not that half bad at it. Or I read that wrong, but not half bad at it. I haven't seen any of these paintings, but I hear they are not bad paintings. John Wayne Gacy is also known for his paintings while in prison. Uh, Charles Manson made a series of recordings before his cult murders. And having listened to them, I can say, Look at Your Game, Girl, is a catchy-ass song. I've never heard it. Uh, This brings me to my question. At what point does the creative work of a person who's done something terrible go from horrifying to fascinating to actually desirable? Well, I think the two examples he gave uh, for me, okay, so this is for me, uh, the Hitler stuff and the Manson stuff, I would look at as interesting, fascinating curiosities tied to men who overwhelmingly are known for the hideous things that they did. Um, I think it can be the other way, though, like the H.P. Lovecraft thing uh, is finding out he's a little bit racist, but a gigantic body of work, perhaps the body of work leads the headline and not him naming his cat the N-word. So that's that's my take. 
uh, we didn't mention them because they didn't do societally consequential art. <laughs> like, I think that's, that's, that's the big thing there. We weren't looking for everyone awful who's ever done a doodle, right? Like, we're, right. we're looking for people who had consequential society impacting art and, and then deciding how we, we, we judge them there. Yeah. Uh, Thomas writes, uh, uh, the German composer Richard Wagner was a vocal anti-Semite and believed that, quote-unquote, the Jews were the reason why he wasn't successful in his early career. Between his heavily nationalistic operas and lengthy articles, some have believed that he helped plant seeds for the Nazi movement. Israel has all but official, uh, officially banned the performance of his music. However, he has made some incredible contributions to the music world, one of which John Williams in particular uses to great effect in his scores. You will also find Jewish music directors who have no problem performing Wagner's music and concerts where his music tend to draw large audiences. Oh, uh, yeah. Dude, there's there's no doubt that time heals all wounds with some of this stuff, right? Sure. Also, again, it, we forget a lot of that or we didn't know about it. I didn't know any of this till you just read it. Like, this is all news to me, Thomas. And um, part of that's that's not willful, willful ignorance. I've just never heard this. So, uh would Wagner be that guy today? I don't know. Maybe, could be, sort of. So maybe it is kind of a thing of its day. It goes back to the early email. Would Wagner be a racist pig today? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Uh, certainly wouldn't get away with uh, that sort of thing, whatever that sort of, you know, whatever he was doing. So I don't know. I find this an interesting thing, but time, I don't know about time healing all wounds. Time has a way of stripping away the weakness that everyone has. Some are just more like back then. I don't think it was that controversial for him to feel that way. Like nobody yeah. was calling for his head on a platter. They would today. So societal norms change what people are willing to accept change. Um, you know, the, the, the I, I, I think you, you came up with a really, really, really good rubric though, in terms of looking back, would that person be that person today? Yeah. I've never thought of it like that. That, that is, that, that's really smart. Well, a lot of people always, you know, they, they try to go, well, if Martin Luther King Jr. was alive today, he would condemn the Black Lives Matter movement. I've heard this said by somebody. Uh, well, and, yeah, I mean. And I would say to that, all right, listen, you don't know anything about, A, what he would be doing today, or you don't know anything about it. Like, so trying to guess what that stuff would be for people yeah. who have passed on is dangerous territory. But... Looking at someone's behavior in the 1600s and seeing if and 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 thinking would that fly today, I think is a valid thing. So yeah, yeah. Anyway. I'm glad. And, and next, ask them what Marcus Garvey's opinion on Colin Kaepernick is. <laughs> uh, Mim Shaw writes, "I appreciate and respect you uh, your both desire for sharing your views in the interest of constructive consideration and debate. So I wanted to explain why I strongly disagree with Scott's statements that a what Louis C.K. did was not predatory and b that neither Ansari nor CK's behavior was criminal. And yep, Scott, you did say that. I listened to the show twice, just to be really sure, because I was honestly surprised by your comments. In relation to the issue of predatory behavior, that term is used broadly to refer to a person who seeks out exploitative sexual situations. CK himself has said in his published apology that this is exactly what the situations were. He has admitted that he had never sought consent for his behavior and that in any case, he was in relative power over the women. Even if he had asked, it would have been uh, not a question, but in his own words, a predicament for them. I, I don't understand how that changes my statement that the behavior wasn't criminal. Neither one are in prison or in trial right now. And nobody's defining either of those 
acts, which, by the there, way, there's, I there's more there's more to this email. So uh, I'm I mean, sure I, there's I, a whole lot more. But my my whole my basic point here is. And what I was trying to make them, which seems to have gone over this person's head, and that's OK. That's why we're talking about it again. There's a difference Went over their head twice. They listened twice. There's a <laughs> there's a range of behaviors and some. I mean, let's look at the range of behavior from let's go on sorry level, which is chasing a girl around and pushing her too hard and not being cool and kind of being a dick. And she was sure glad to finally get out of there because he was behaving poorly. There's that level, which still sucks. I'm not. There's no way I'm calling that criminal, though. I'd call it lame and terrible and dumb and douchey. But anyway, there's that level. Then you can jump up to uh, uh, CK, who's you know whacking it in front of people and setting up situations where he gets to exploit them in that regard. Also terrible, and I would put that a cut above in terribleness, above and sorry. And then you know what? You can go way over here to somebody like um, Weinstein, who pins women down and forces them to have sex with him, rapes them. That's different than what Ansari did. My point was, let's not get all wrapped up into one size fits all with these because that is freaking dangerous. Well, yeah, and and I think the kind of larger conversation that I think we should all be having is that now that we have these conversations out here, let's start defining the new normal. We have now understood that the old normal needs to be eradicated in many key places. So let's start defining where 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 these lines are and and even if it means redefining what is criminal. If 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 pinning somebody, you know, through uh, coercion into a place so that you can jack off in front of them is something that we as a society thinks needs to be uh, uh you know, reflected, you know, that you should get a $25 ticket for it and <laughs> then let's let's talk about that. Like, right. I mean like let's 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 have those kind of Questions just, not only as as a society but also as a criminal justice. Yeah, and as and as and, and I just want to make this clear. I this is not me defending any of them. I think all their behavior is rotten on different levels. That's what I'm talking about is these levels, and that's hard to talk about. People don't want to talk about that. They want to look at it all the same, and they want to say, "Well, that's as bad as this other thing." That's dangerous. You got to I mean, yeah, be careful. I, I think I think that 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 might be a bit of a straw man. Like I, I don't think that people want to look at it. I think that it's it's easier to look at it like that. It's easier just to say bad, bad, bad. There's good and there's bad. There's black and there's white. And right now, we are in a point of, look, look at it like this. We are right now in a point of revolution. We're not at a point of reconstruction. Right. So right. we are we are it's guillotines, baby. Like and and eventually, we're going to have to build a new government based on the eradication of the old one. And I hope that we can learn the lessons that I think a lot of people are pointing out, uh, although I do understand why they might be, you know, nobody with bloodlust in their heart wants to say, all right, but now, but what about the parliamentary procedure in our new government? <laughs> yeah, that takes time. We'll get there. Don't worry, everybody. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, you can go ahead and email about our topic this week, which is uh, a paying college athletes by emailing us unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. Again, unfriendmeshow at gmail. Dot com and go ahead and uh, uh, give us a call when we're uh, open that up. At Are you telling me the athletes don't they don't get paid? <laughs> athletes should be paid for. Oh, we're not to that point. I'm already I'm in revolution. Uh, the revolution you are, period. You are. Yeah. Although that's the fanfare of the athletes that do get paid. The yeah, athletes that don't get paid are the collegiate ones. And you can go ahead and give us calls on that. 801-285-9395. As soon as we open that up and hopefully we can do that pretty quick because. You know, I, I didn't really know where to start on this one. Like, this is uh, uh, college athletics has gone on for many, many 
decades. Uh, so I figured we'd start with the rules. This is literally from the NCAA rulebook. This is what every college athlete, be they a, a, a crew player or a, a crew rower, sorry, uh, for, 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 for all the coxswains out there, <laughs> uh, 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 or a, a power forward for the UNC Tar Heels. This I, is I didn't NCAA. realize they had unified rules. I thought this was on a per-school basis, so this is interesting. No, this is the NCAA rulebook. You cannot accept payment or promise of payment, uh, e.g. cash, prizes, gifts, or travel for participation in your sport. You cannot... Enter into an agreement with any kind of uh, with any kind to compete in professional athletics. You cannot negotiate either a verbal or written professional contract. You cannot request that your name be put on a draft list for professional sports or try out with a professional sports organization. You cannot play on a professional athletics team. You cannot participate in teams uh, other than those uh, fielded by the university. Although, so this is from the University of North Carolina specifically, but this is from the NCAA rulebook. Right. Uh, uh, you cannot. Agree to have your picture or name used to promote a commercial product. You cannot accept such things as gift, meals, loans, cars, or money from the athletic or interest groups or people within the athletics programs from the university. You cannot be represented by an agent or organization to market your athletic skills or reputation. You cannot receive any benefit that is not available to other students at the university. Hmm. When were these rules put in place? Do we have a date? Do we have a timeline on this? Like, uh... Uh, I do not know from which... Uh, uh, rule book. This is put in place because it, cause it strikes me as a thing that may have been planted in a era where televised uh, deals and and schools benefiting greatly from multi million dollar television con <laughs> uh, cable contracts maybe didn't exist yet. Is what I'm thinking. Uh, and by the way, when it comes to the definition of accepting gifts or money, uh, they even go further to say that while uh, those are certainly one form of illegal extra benefit. You also cannot receive more than the allotted number of complimentary admissions to a game, sell complimentary admissions at any price, or receive material benefits that are not available to the general student body. This means that you should not accept special discounts on purchases or services, or even accept special payments arrangements of, on any purchases, or be careful of quote-unquote free or quote-unquote special benefits that someone wishes to give you. If you are in doubt with such benefits, check with your coach mm, if i'm the uh i'm florida state let's say yes known for athleticism and teams and great good job every year and with once the, being a girls college and once yeah. being at girls college and also ted bundy did some bad stuff there i think but anyway yeah awesome uh <laughs> my mom went there for a couple years while the ted bundy stuff was going oh on. my gosh really that's awful yeah. i mean that must have been crazy Anyway, um, you're, let's say you're Florida State University and you are you have become the kind of thing that literally drives millions, of, if not billions of dollars worth of revenue through uh, advertising channels. And like I said, uh, you know, deals to broadcast on ESPN or whatever all your deals are, let alone just everybody coming and paying at the box office and probably paying more per ticket than they would at an average school um, or a school with less you know, less notoriety in terms of athletics. Why can't there be a way for the kids who are actually out there, I shouldn't say kids, you know, young adults who are actually out there pounding the turf every week and winning games, what is so wrong about the idea that they maybe get a little something on the side? And I don't mean something sneaky under the table. I mean something in writing, some sort of 
um, thing that just says, you know, if you're playing all year, you get this little extra benefit uh, or we'll pay this much of your loans or uh, or whatever. And I know some of that is covered in like scholarships. So I get that you can do yeah, that full, on the top Full ride or, or partial ride. Sure. Some people so that, have everything paid for. Some people have other stuff. And, and once you are a student, uh, uh, many NCAA athletes, uh, I believe in the newest version of uh, the NCAA's agreement, uh, allows unlimited food. Previously, it was just three hot meals and uh, snacks, which is the same way that regular students eat. They are not the way that professional athletes eat. They do not just eat, you know, three dorm meals a day when you are trying to be a, 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 a you know, gigantic human. By the way, uh, down here in Oakland, yep. uh, there is a shop called Beast Mode. It's run by the mayor, uh, the unofficial mayor of Oakland, Marshawn Lynch, who now plays for the Oakland Raiders, previously with the Buffalo Bills and the Seattle Seahawks. Loves Oakland, always reps Oakland, has his store, Beast Mode. And whenever there are college teams that come to play, usually the the either Stanford or or the Cal Berkeley Bears, they will come and and uh, uh, be provided uh, the you know the through the universities. Beast Mode will help outfit some of the players. Okay, right? all right. I walked behind the Ole Miss offensive line once, walking up back toward my house from downtown. Okay, it was Jurassic Park. These people are not humans. Like I, you just heard, like like they do move in herds. These are gigantic people. They do not eat what I ate in college. Like like it just simply does not happen. So right. let, let me also just add fuel to your fire. This is the last agreement that ESPN reached with the Bowl Championship Series. So this is not even the conference deals that they reach with. Uh, ESPN and CBS and Fox Sports. This is just for three games yeah. at yeah. the end of the year. For three games, for 12 years, the rumored value on that deal was $475 million. Oh nearly gosh. half a billion dollars for the right to play, to uh, have, have carriage of three yeah, three games. And that's the, is that the NCAA that gets that money? That's the deal. That is the NCAA. Okay, yeah. and they, or, or the, the BCS, the Bowl Champions. Oh, okay, season. okay. But 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 in theory, that's a layer between school and um, like who gets the money? Like where's all that money go? That money goes to the NCAA. Okay, and, and that, then and then the BCS pays out X to each school. Each school, whenever they're a part of a bowl, gets a payout. There's a reason why there's. A so many bowls because they uh, they don't really need they don't care if anybody comes to the games. Yeah. It's advertisement on television, which is all the sponsors really care about. Right. And the schools get a payout for it. So okay. if anyone's been to a major college that has a major athletics program, a D one athletics program, you will very often see when you're going to your random ass science class that it'll be in a classroom that like for for me it was like the the tostitas uh, fiesta bowl <laughs> from 92 when donovan mcnab was playing at syracuse right yeah no no that makes sense they did a lot of that stuff with uh steve young uh here at byu there was a lot of that sort of thing going on so yeah so all right when uh, i i i we i know we haven't gotten to this yet but I'm sure that there have been legal challenges over the years. Hasn't somebody tried to get money for the for the for the players? 
at some point. Yes, indeed, Scott. There have, including the most recent, which was the Ed O'Bannon versus the NCAA antitrust class action lawsuit filed against the NCAA. The lawsuit which former UCLA basketball player Ed O'Bannon filed on behalf of the NCAA's Division I football and men's basketball players challenged the organization's use of the images of its former student-athletes for commercial purposes. The suit argues that upon graduation, a former student-athlete should become entitled to financial compensation for the NCAA's commercial uses of his or her images. The NCAA maintained that paying its athletes would be a violation of the concept of amateurism in, uh, uh, in sports at stake where billions of dollars in television revenues and licensing fees their argument being that should amateurism be punctured the very fabric of their game would not be the same and they would not make the money that they would make otherwise and the ncaa won that fight no the ncaa effectively no no ed o'bannon oh he won uh, won it okay oh that's Uh, good that's good well uh, yeah killed the EAs as somebody knew knew what was coming uh, uh Jacob 514 in the in the Twitch chat he knows what's coming it killed the EA's NCAA football game in in uh, July 2014 the NCAA announced that it would not renew its licensing agreement with EA because of its ongoing legal dispute regarding the uh use of player likenesses effectively EA didn't want to get wrapped up in a in a lawsuit where they would have to start paying back money that they owed uh because of this lawsuit or, or the NCAA didn't want to pay back money that they would have made yeah. on stuff. So like anything, the reason why people send a, a cease and desist yeah. is so there can be a line of demarcation. And so there was no cease and desist here. I'm just using that as an example. Right, I understand. There'd be a line of demarcation where uh, you, uh, you could say, okay, from here on, I get any money that comes in from this. If you are now willfully selling it, knowing that this is my property. Yeah. And so that's what they wanted to avoid. And I get I get the idea from the other point of view, the idea of this making sense when the when the athlete, the star college athlete leaves, perhaps he's entitled to something then because of the use, commercial use of their image. I get that, but then you have all this granularity. Well, he showed up in a promo video for half a second, but this other guy was a long, drawn out, slow motion uh interception. Uh and then that took, you know, that was that was a whole three minutes of this video and one guy got interviewed. Oh my gosh, he actually talked on mic, and that means you know, like when? How do you start doling out who gets what? That's a that's a big old sticky wicket. And you probably don't want to mess with that if you're the NCAA. So I I totally get it, uh, but I don't see why this is a problem from the other end. Why don't you just even be modest about it and say, hey, we're gonna make billions this year, everybody. Woo! How about every player who gets field time? Uh, is entitled to a base amount, and it doesn't have to be a lot. Because here's why. Why? Number one, there is just the the idea of, well, can we preserve amateurism? Yes, we are getting paid a lot. And yes, all of our coaches that are coming in are getting paid obscene amounts of money. However, we want the ability to preserve the ideal of amateur competition. And, and, And that's something that we think is good it is pure of heart it is it is something that uh, uh not only do people want to see but it has been the foundation of this the entire time number two not all of these outfits make money like alabama mm. in fact the vast majority of of, of football programs opposite uh, operate at a deficit and that's before you get into the fact that this is not you can't just cut out men's basketball and men's football 
from an entire college athletics program. That means that we, if we're talking about paying football players, that means we also have to think about paying women's soccer and polo and, and whatever else that you have uh, offered in the division one or division two athletics uh, program at each school. And that's before you get into title nine, which of course demanded that men's and women's sports be funded equally. So now you have to say to many revenue losing sports that they will also be a draw. And now all of a sudden the insolvency of the entire athletics program mm. goes out the window. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I always actually it's something I always do forget about. I forget you got gymnastics to fund. I forget you got the volleyball team. I forget you got softball. I forget about all the other stuff you got to figure out a way to do. And your whale is football or basketball or both. Yeah. And that's how you're funding it. Um, so that adds an interesting wrinkle. I would also like to throw out there, and I wish I had an expert here, and maybe someone in the chat room will know more about this. Um, actually, Corinne Lewis would be amazing for this, but she's working right now. But um, esports is a new wrinkle in all this. Uh, it, what's happening there is a lot of recruiting of professional players who are already making a lot of bank on playing games professionally, say an Overwatch player or whatever. And mm -hmm. they're trying to get them, rather than go straight to these leagues like Overwatch League and ESL stuff and all of that, they're trying to get them to come and play for their schools, uh, doing so with incentives like scholarships, full ride and partial. And I'm curious what the rules are there because those guys will be giving up you know, college athletes are just coming out of high school. It's not like they already had a burgeoning, you know, killer sponsor business going on while they were playing for the local high school team. At least I can't think of any examples like this. But they hit college and then they could. In this case, you've got guys with huge streamer audiences or giant followings because they've been competing in video games. And, and since esports is becoming a thing at colleges, I wonder how they handle that. Like, I, I probably should have looked into this before the show. But if anyone, well, to, to be honest, what I would hope that they do is don't make it an NCAA sport. Yeah, there you go. That's maybe the answer. And, you know, and make it make it a club sport and and just rack that money. Actually, that's probably what's happening now that I think about it. They haven't. I mean, it is for now anyway, right? Like, but then again, now you are all of a sudden going to uh, uh you know, uh, the NCAA would lose lose as a revenue generator. One more thing, and then we'll take calls. All right. Uh, uh, uh the last big uh, uh front on this fight was Northwestern, the Northwestern football team. In 2015, after spending the last 16 months considering the question of whether or not football players on athletic scholarships at Northwestern University were employees under the National Labor Relations Act, the National Labor Relations Board essentially punted on the question. So here's what happened. The football team said, to the point of possibly sitting out games, they said, we believe under the National Labor Relations Act, we're employees. We get told where to go. We get told what to do. We get told when to show up. We get benefits from it. Maybe not money, but that means that we should be able to unionize under this guarantee, this federal guarantee. Mm -hmm. uh, in the seven-page decision published, the five-member NLRB board, NLRB board, or that the B stands for board, whatever, unanimously <laughs> de uh, declined to exercise judgment in the matter. As a result, the NLRB has dismissed the Northwestern players' petition, effectively vacating the 2014 ruling uh, uh, by the regional director of the NLRB in Chicago in favor of the players. Mm. I mean, so, so they this could not. They were not able to unionize so right. they they didn't say whether or not it would ever be able to happen they just said nah, not our problem right and so uh, the northwestern players were not able to unionize yeah i i uh it's so hard for me not to almost every example you've cited here on the show so far 
it's so hard for me not to side with players on this. I just feel like there is no multi-million dollar generating system without them. So to to say that they just have this tiny role in it is so weird to me. I just don't I don't get it. And maybe maybe your answer could be, well, they're about to go on to big lucrative NFL contracts. Well, a bunch of them are, but not everybody does that. Some of them. The vast majority does not. Yeah, I mean that, they, that would that would be that would be the case there. All they, right, you want to know what? I think we got people fired up. People yeah. are excited to call in, so let's go ahead and open up those phone lines. 801-285-9395. We've modeled this show after Sports Talk Radio, so let's go ahead and get into it with both <laughs> hands. Paul, let's get some calls. Yeah, get these calls in here, you guys. Now, uh, they'll be here in a minute because it takes a minute for them to hear us say it's time for calls. So as soon as those get here, we'll we'll answer them in immediate fashion. Here's the thing uh, with me. You got any any time, uh, just as I start to get this thought out, a call came through. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Jeff, DK Rise in the chat room. Hello, Jeff. What's going on, man? What's up, dude? How you doing? Good. So Great. My, my son is actually being scouted for football, and we've been going through costs and everything he's a senior in high school next year and one of the things considering is most big schools if you do play for a sports team cannot have a job Mm. at all Mm. and then the other thing we have to consider there are limited uh the ncaa has restrictions on the amount of full rides and partial rides that a that a school can divvy out per sport right so are you are you as get, are you as his parent worried that um I mean <laughs> I tell well, me tell, I'll, I'll put it this way right. I have six kids yeah I have six boys yeah oh man yeah fire um, <laughs> fire not the gun not, boom 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 not a lot of TV watching in my bedroom right I get that so, but hold but hold on though so if you got so let's say you've got uh, you know all five are all queued up to do some other sports sounds like you got a you know, an athletic bug in the family. That's awesome. Uh, this yeah. is an expensive lifestyle. I can just, I, I can't speak so much for me personally, because my kids, none of them really cared about sports, but, but growing up, I had a lot of friends who were into sports. I have a lot of friends now whose kids are really into sports and it is expensive as hell. At the very least, it would be nice if the kid well, could have a job while he played. Like it feels like indentured servitude. I know it's not the same, but it feels how, like How do that. I put it? Yeah. All right, the high school that we are part of, it just pay to play was seven hundred and eighty five dollars, <laughs> and this is a public school. Yeah, yeah. Plus, that doesn't yeah, usually include. Is not like, a, it doesn't include all your trips. It doesn't include the uniform change oh, stuff. No. All that stuff. Yeah, it gets really expensive. Oh, not to mention you have to buy the jersey. Yeah, uh, and a pee wee league he played for in Southern Ohio. Uh, you had to buy the helmet and the pads. Because yeah. the the organization did not have the money. Yeah. Um, so, so what you're saying? Looking forward to college. Yeah. These athletes should, as Scott said, be paid at least a portion. Now, I don't believe it should be an astronomical amount. I believe, I mean, even above minimum wage, minimally, because these kids cannot hold jobs. I mean, even if they were allowed to have a job, a mm-hmm. uh, college baseball player that plays over the weekend, leaves on a Thursday most of the time, misses yep. his Friday classes, comes back 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. on Monday, probably skipped two classes that day because <laughs> he's tired, and then has to go to practice. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what benefit education is doing if, you don't, if you're <laughs> dying as an athlete. 
Right. So you can't argue that. Yeah. These kids should have something. Now, as far as the, oh, they're going on to these bigger uh, pro athlete, pro uh, contracts playing for these teams and making millions. What is it, 2%? Yeah. Of all high school athletes make it to a D1 college? Yeah, if you're lucky. And and only 2% of that ever go on to pro in that sport? Yeah. And and, and then and, the average pro career lasts three and a half games. <laughs> right, right. If that's, that's if they actually get play time. Right. Not to yeah, oh yeah, no, 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 no. I, no average, average out. Squad. Yeah, yeah. Average out Joe Montana. And the guy who gets cut immediately and never even sees a practice field, yeah. uh, and, and you have three and a half games of, of all NFL players. Yeah, this is all true. Thank you for the call. I think that's a really good perspective from a parent because, I don't know, they see this stuff all the time. We've got another call on here. Who's this? Hello? Oh, they hung up on us. All right. That's okay. Call back if that was you, whoever that was. Maybe something went weird, so you can give us a call back. Uh, here we go. Toby actually emailed in about this uh, uh, from last week. He said, my solution, my wife has a master's in special education from UVA. Go who's? Mm. Uh, uh, make football, basketball, et cetera, a degree program. You major in a sport, five-star recruit, sign with the school, enter the football program. They can structure pay, appearances, and all the details. These athletes are already in a different category than other students. Their meal plan doesn't involve the school cafeteria. A dietitian prepares their diet, and they are fed at the football premises, and they are given a set of regimented sleep, diet, and exercise. Interesting. All right, Toby, I'm going to get back to that in a second, but first we'll take this call. Someone in their car. Hi, who's this? Uh, this is Toby. I want to uh, make it on the phone. All right, we'll probably hear me better now. Oh, that's much better. Yes, I'm in my car. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you guys discussed while I was calling names. I am in the car. Said, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree with the, the athletes on the, the payment. I sent it in an email. But, like, the the payment doesn't have to come from the school. A lot of these kids are there. They're not allowed to have a job. They can't work. And, like, even, you know, Marshawn Lynch from Oakland, they grow up with nothing, and they walk around the streets, and they see everybody wearing their jerseys and their likeness. So maybe off of merchandise sales or something like that, you can set aside money for these kids, and then that way they can take it after graduation or something along those lines. Yeah. And as I yeah, and as I said in my email thing too, my wife being a, a with a master's in education, so like why not make it a class? Because sure. a lot of these kids they're not going to Alabama to get a degree from the University of Alabama. They could care less. Right. They're there to get you know the pathway to the NFL or whatever that may be. So they're not necessarily coming from privileged and well-to-do places, uh, as that goes too. Sure. So sure. that's that's a good way to to channel that through and use that because it really is a pathway to the pros for kids that really aren't physically ready to do it. Right. Is the biggest thing. Well, not you know? not only that, but like when you go when you oh hung up on him I missed a weird connection. Um, when you Justin, when you go to to the through these programs and let's say you even get into the NFL. There are some serious risks involved. Even if you're the best player ever and you're about to be the next, uh, you know, I don't know who, who, who some rad running back, uh, break a leg, you're out. Uh, too many concussions, you're done. Uh, spinal injury, sorry, your football career is over. Like, these are, real, these are real risks and real problems. It would be cool if there was a pool of money reserved for people that are putting well, themselves well, at once, risk. I mean, let's let let's stop it before you get to the NFL because in the NFL there is certain pools for people that play in the NFL to take care of medical stuff like that. In right. college, there's not. Right. You know, right. There, there there is there is no for if you fracture your spinal cord on the field, it many times the colleges do take care of you because 
it's a gigantic public thing, but there's no obligation to, nor is there any earmark for the money that's coming in to make sure that kids get continuing care if they injure themselves in the service of this machine. Mm -hmm. uh, so what Toby pointed out was, okay, try to make it a, a course. Here's my, here's my uh, option. Let the boosters pay these kids. Here's an element that just, uh, so, so uh, aside from all this, we're saying don't pay the college player or the NCAA says don't pay the college players. What we all know is that a lot of these players get paid anyway, specifically at major schools. Mm -hmm. How? Yep. Through boosters. It's yep. why Reggie Bush lost his Heisman Trophy. It, it, it's why uh, Johnny Manziel was, you know, uh, snorting uh, mysterious substances on Snapchat, you know, while he was still a student athlete. Although I think he came from a rich family. Still, <laughs> boosters pay money to kids now. The bigger the program, yeah. the more football or basketball crazy these programs are, the more there are rich people that love to give money to the school and love to illegally give money to the players. Legalize boosters. Right. Let the, 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 if, if these kids are stars to grown-ass adults who want to shower them with money, why should we look at that any different than Peter Thiel or people in Silicon Valley who see gigantic brains in college and MIT and Harvard and everywhere else if they make a little startup and shower them with money to leave school and come build a, a, a company that would be funded by these venture yeah, capitalists. It wouldn't be, I agree, it wouldn't be any different. It sounds like the caller we have on the line right now agrees with you. Hi, who's this? Man, I got disconnected, man. Oh, that was you. It's Toby. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah your yeah, phone went yeah, dead. No it was weird. No worries. I, I'm pulled over now, so we're all good. Uh, shuffling the kids around. But yeah, I, I heard the thing about the boosters. The only problem with that is you want to keep some kind of parity in college sports. I mean, understandably so. Division one of the top five in the power conferences, they rule it all anyway. And then the boosters are existent there, and some schools are worse than others. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how you can have some kind of cap limit. But as I was saying, you know, these kids come, that's why they're there. And I think one of the greatest examples was when Kobe Bryant came out of Philadelphia, came out of PA. And he had a full academic ride to do. He was highly gifted intellectually. He had an academic ride to play there for four years for free. Mm. And he went to the pros. Mm. And they asked him, why did you pass on an education at Duke? And he said, well, I just signed a $41 million contract with uh, Adidas. I think that if I blow my knee out in training camp and they don't give me my scholarship, I think I can pay my way through. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, it's, it's kind of, you know, and, and it's kind of that, that whole deal of, you know, we're masking and hiding the fact that, yes, these guys are getting benefits and perks. Yeah. And who are you not to take it? You know, Lynch grew up, if you look the story of Morrison Lynch, he said, you haven't been that kid that has worn the same clothes for four days straight to school and you stink. Yeah. Like, you haven't been the one in the one room house right. with your five, six, seven brothers and sisters. You haven't been there. Right. So and I, I, that's, what I, that's partly what know? I like about this is that you can, I uh, appreciate your call, you can basically create some equity here for these kids. Like there's a, a chance for actual equity. So if you come from the, 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 the projects and things are rough for you and you're a very gifted athlete and you come, some other kid comes from a very well-to-do family in New York, but he's a really good athlete. They come there and they get the same equal financial treatment. Yeah. There's an opportunity for that and, and well, nobody's doing that. You know, so JC Calhoun in the chat room says there's a lot of other college athletes than football and basketball. And, and what we are talking about here is revenue sports. So in college, there are what known as what are known as revenue sports and non-revenue sports. We're talking about revenue athletes, people who are bringing in money, sometimes a lot of money, into the school by way of 
television contracts and and everything else, and if not out and out merchandise sales or jerseys with their numbers are being sold, uh, them not getting anything from that, and right. and and that to me is, I mean, I, I look, I love college football. I think college football is one of some of the most fun stuff that you can watch. I would it would be my absolute favorite if they just gave up the sham that these kids you know that can't get paid or shouldn't get paid and, and that's the thing just again legalize the dark money legalize the dark money happening right now like i mean <laughs> if you see what i mean like you're saying is some red-faced bozo who's going uh, uh ape over uh, uh you know his favorite you know the 16 year old who's playing an amazing game uh for his uh, uh coming into a, his favorite college doesn't want to drop $20,000 on that family doesn't want to buy that that kid's mom a house that happens now yeah. just let it happen who cares it's happening as we speak why are we persecuting these kids for this yeah I completely agree with that uh great call Toby and email thank you for your thoughts uh if you guys have an additional stuff give us a call 801-285-9395 saw a couple calls come and go during that that we missed uh if you are still around give us a buzz and uh let us know what you think now, from I since we haven't had anybody sort of pro school angle on this, um, it, it is it is going to be easy for us to see them as monolithic, uh, self interested organizations that are sort of uh, faceless and emotionless and just want the money and and there's a system in place to ensure that that happens and all of that. So it's easy to sort of look at them as the big baddie in all of this. I'm sure that there are some points of view that could be shared here from the from the college perspective or the NCAA perspective, whatever organization it is, why this is a thing. Like there is a there is a purity to the stuff you read earlier. Like the general rules sound good. Like you are this stalwart, I will receive no benefits beyond those of normal students. I'm no better than any of my countrymen. Like there is a there is a stoic quality to those rules. But I have learned over time in my life that those usually <laughs> don't really play out that way in real time. So when you say, oh, yeah, you're going to come to our school and you're going to behave in a certain way, you're committing to a thing that sounds great on the surface, but in practicality, it doesn't necessarily work. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? This is Jonathan in New York. Hello, Jonathan in New York. What's going on? Well, I do know what we're talking about. Oh, good. That's fantastic. Yeah. Pulling a Daryl today because I'm in my office. <laughs> you, sa- you sound good, although you sound a little secretive, like you're you're hiding from the boss or something. Kind of. Okay, good. All right. All right, go ahead. Lay it on us. <clears throat> so I ran a Division One track and field for the University of Cincinnati for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Bearcats. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I do believe that uh, they should not. We Most college athletes shouldn't be paid because I think that the focus should be on valuing the education versus getting into – pro football or pro basketball do you do you, are total, you know, do you think there's a way to do both though is it possible do you think there's a number like maybe there's a not way to without do... not without creating parity between all the other sports mm. no, so you would say you would whatever. say as somebody who ran track which uh, i'm not familiar with the university of cincinnati that would that would be a non-revenue sport right oh uh, yeah there's only two sports in ohio that make money and that's the ohio state football obviously and university of cincinnati basketball okay okay so uh uh that it would be you would be uh, uh, resentful or think it was unfair if the Bearcats men's basketball team got paid and you running track did not. Correct. Mm. Even though I had a scholarship. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
and and there were things that changed while I was there because you may not may or not know this, but you know, referencing Title IX while I was in school, indoor track was considered a separate team from outdoor track, and to balance out Title IX, they actually cut the men's indoor track team while maintaining the outdoor track team. Oh, so weird. my junior year of college, we we weren't able to compete in indoor. Uh, on a Division One level, even though we were the number one, we won our conference back then. It was Conference USA, I believe. Explain, explain Title Nine to everybody uh, that that there there has to be a women's program or an equal number of women's programs to men's programs, right? It's about population. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it really runs relative to. I mean, I, I'm actually in favor of it overall, but yeah. it's uh, it's one of those things where you have the number of programs then it goes down from there into scholarships. So, and then it goes even further into, um, for whatever reason, you know, you have to also, and there's a lot of other value. Like Title IX is basically a way to ensure that colleges aren't throwing all their money into men's sports. Mm. And I, I, yeah, and I totally get that. And I've always sort of felt like that. I don't know the details of it, but I understand it's, um, its core purpose seems like a noble one to me. But here's, here's a question for you. If you've got sure. a school, I, I kind of... Mm, I'm kind of with you on the whole. I wish people were more fo- focused on academics. And again, this is sort of a simplified view of the world, but I, you know, I think it would benefit us as a as a country if we were more focused on that. Um, we need to be pumping out really smart people. So one way to do that is to make that the focus of school. And hey, if you're really good at football, that's also a thing you can do. And we'll work with you to make your schedule work and all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. But the problem is on the other end of this. If that was in a vacuum, great, but it's not. There's these schools that are making millions upon millions, in some cases half a billion to a billion dollars in contracts and things. They're making way more than they need to. They are a for-profit business at that point and no longer in the altruistic uh, business of helping kids learn. So it feels very one-sided for organizations to have the stance of, well, we want to push education and not emphasize the the. The other part of it, oh, by the way, uh, we're making millions over here, and we and we uh, hired a coach for two million dollars a year, which is ridiculous in a college. Two million is cheap, yeah. And I'm not and I'm not naive to that to the reality of the situation. I just think that oftentimes we're putting too much of an emphasis on the idea that you know you have kids dropping out of school just to go into the combine, um, and nine times out of ten they're not going to go back into school. And I think that it's just unfortunate being it with without creating the emphasis and, and to be honest in, in defense of the ncaa there are a lot of rules in place that ensure that you're making progress towards your degree you have to show 75 percent progress towards a degree in order to even be eligible to play in any given semester or quarter depending on how your system is set up so let's say i was taking i was a criminal justice major if i wasn't showing progress and taking classes every quarter or a certain amount of requisite classes then i wouldn't actually be able to play so it's really easy to kind of vilify like some aspects of what the ncaa is doing but i think that there's a lot of things in place that are set in in place to sort of keep it focused on the educational aspect of it and there's not enough value placed on the idea of like i was a successful high school athlete and i had the opportunity to go for school to go to school for free mm. interesting well that's a and that, that, that is that is good all right well here i'll tell you what thank you so much for your call uh, uh this is the most recent poll that i could find on this subject uh uh this is uh let's see how many respondents here uh this is from august 14th to the 21st 2017 a washington post umass low poll of a thousand adults with a margin of error 3.7 points uh, uh they believe that college uh, college football and basketball players that scholarships were adequate versus should be compensated 52 percent believe that their scholarships were adequate and 38 percent believe that they should be compensated on top of it. 
And when their image or name is used, college athletes should be either paid or not be paid. 66% believe that athletes should be paid. 26% believe that they should not be paid Mm. while they were in college. So this is something that is shifting. Uh, These polls used to be a lot more in favor of nobody getting paid. But I think it would probably be safe to say as the money has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, there seems to be a shifting uh, uh, you know, a position of opinion. Yeah. Well, can, I, can I can I have a hot take? Yeah. Hot Are you take. ready for my hot take? Yeah, I'm ready for your hot take. Wait, I even have a theme for it. You ready? Uh, hold yeah. on. Here's theme for Justin's hot take. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> What's your hot take? <laughs> College educations are overvalued. Uh, oh, way I, overvalued. I, yes, agreed. Way, 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 way overvalued. And what I think colleges should be doing are finding kids' futures. Not necessarily finding kids the the step-by-step tracking of going through their academic system. I graduated in four years. Would I say that the things that I learned the most that have prepared me for my future are things I learned in class? Absolutely not. Thankfully, the university that I went to had a lot of other institutions that were some affiliated, some not, with the school, but it fostered a community where these things existed and I could take advantage of them. If I did not get paid for doing my work as a journalist while I was at Syracuse, I would not have been able to stay at Syracuse as a private university. I was lucky looking back now, considering how expensive that four-year ride is at my alma mater to only leave with $33,000 in debt. That was including contributions from my family and including limited scholarships that I had gotten and knocking out certain AP credits uh, coming out of high school. Right. So. To say people should be focusing on their education, sure. But you want to know what else is an education? Uh, uh, going through athletics and understanding uh, uh, what it means to balance your checkbook, what it means to to get a, a check every single week and and uh, uh, portion out your life accordingly. Uh, understand what your own worth is in terms of uh, uh, selling your own merch, selling your own, uh, building your own brand. I mean, these are all things that in so many ways in a far more entrepreneurial society that we have in a post-internet world, I think could be gigantic for kids. And they are not allowed to do it because of these NCAA rules. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that it's just money versus school. To say it's just money versus school, I think is disingenuous. Because money is, we don't look at it's money versus school when it's about startups when it's about starting your own fashion brand when it's about doing a million other things that you're allowed to do as a a, a, a college student but when it's the ncaa and we are again selling amateurism selling bottling it and selling amateurism to the masses now all of a sudden it's a problem yeah yeah no i yeah that's a really good point also maybe there you got me thinking about your thirty three thousand dollars of of debt uh, coming out of there, and I agree that you're, that number's low compared to some averages, uh, maybe there's a debt relief. Kind of, you know, we're always looking to the government for debt relief for college. Like, that's always a big issue around political times. Like, oh, what about forgiveness of debt for college students? That's our future, blah, blah, blah. Maybe the, maybe the NCAA or these colleges themselves already have a, a valve for this, and that is the, the uh, a big portion of that money. They stick away into a fund that does nothing but but help pay off kids' loans who contributed greatly to your success 
uh, during their football career at your school or or something else. And maybe there's, you know, I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying, but it seems like maybe that answer is right there because there's certainly the money. There's plenty of money there. Nobody's going poor at any of these colleges. Now, there's not equity across the country in terms of quality, you know, or colleges. Like, you're not going to have, you know, for every Florida state, there's a, I don't know, there's a Weber state, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's not, there's not, that's not the same. And so I know this isn't one size fits all, but I, I don't know. Maybe there's something there uh, that that helps answer that issue and gets people off everyone's back about debt forgiveness. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, it's Dice Tomato. What's going on? Hey, Dice Tomato. Hey, earlier in the chat, I noticed you said something. You said uh, these schools do it anyway. And uh, go into that a little bit. Like, like how, much, how much do you think that's happening? Is it very clandestine and super secret? Are they getting a car and no one knows about it? Like, what's the level of you think they're cheating the system, these, these schools, to keep these guys there? Um, I don't 100% recall what that was going to be about. Uh, <laughs> well, it's all right. Hey, I, I kind of, that's all right. I kind of threw it at you. Go ahead with what you had. No worries. Go ahead. Uh, well, the, the one thing I, I noticed, um, cause, uh, my job says she works within the collegiate school system at you know, one, of, at one of the different colleges at university. And, uh, you have, uh, your university athletics, that don't always fund the rest of the university. Like they fund um, what they do within the athletic systems. As far as you know, they may build some new buildings, uh, a new uh, ball field somewhere, or a new soccer field somewhere. That kind of benefits athletics, which will hopefully in turn benefit admissions into the school, which brings revenue that way as well. But you'll have problems where you'll have colleges within the school, within the university, that you know fail on their own which is how they're made to run essentially like little businesses themselves mm-hmm. and that that's always you know i feel like a, a problem where you have a lot of larger universities for example that uh don't or can't for whatever reasons they have set up within the university the ability to help fund the rest of the university and the schools within mm. How many of these examples, Justin, are we talking about where, where the entire – I mean, what's tuition for anymore if, if football is paying for everything? I use football as the single example, but um, like – like, Sorry, sorry. Uh, say that again? Like if, school, if a school's entire existence is funded based on football, that seems crazy to me. What is tuition for? What are we all paying tuition for? You know what I mean? For everything else. I mean, look, I, I, don't, I don't think that – a lot of times, uh, I think what, what uh, Dice Tomato is saying is correct, that you, you see some things that flow back into the school, like new construction and stuff like that. But by and large, the athletic program is funding the athletic program. And, and, and that's that. Uh, the biggest thing that a school gets from a D1 program, specifically one that has a television contract, is... You know, you know, whenever you're watching a college football game and then in like the middle, it's like a McDonald's ad, a Chrysler ad, a beer ad. And then there's the ad for, uh, you know, the, the school where it's always like four kids of different races, you know, like looking into a microscope and then like a bunch of famous alumni and stuff like that. So basically, I, I at some point, the commercial that 30 years from now, we'll we'll folk will have the Syracuse one will have me pointing into a, my my webcam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, like that's what it does is it just points out like when you're thinking about schools, Hey, look, would I have thought about Syracuse as much? No, Syracuse. I went there for the, uh, 
for the journalism program. Yeah. But the first time I ever heard about Syracuse was because Donovan McNabb played in the Big East and I lived in South Florida and they played Miami every year. Mm. And they were one of the few teams that could give Miami a run for their money when they were dominant. Like this is mindshare. This is branding. And, 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 you know, that's like, I was just saying before, if, if somebody can make money, I mean, hell, if one of these kids could set up a Patreon and every time that they hit a good, that they have a good game, something you're like, yo, patreon.com slash athlete. Right. And, and you got a bunch of kids that were kicking them a little cash. Like that would be great. A bunch of, uh, you know, uh, boosters that would kick them a little cash. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But they're not allowed to do that. They're not allowed to build their own personal brand, even when these schools are literally using their labor to get more admissions and continue to rise tuition. Yeah, which is why I'm, that's, uh, I, yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I, I hate it. I think it's not good. And I think there needs to be some sort of compromise. I don't know what it is. Like all topics on this show, we don't solve these things for you. But we do talk about them, and what we hope next week is we'll have a bunch of feedback from you guys who weren't able to call in today and uh, see what you guys think about this whole issue. It's a bigger issue than I thought for people, you know? Like, we've got a lot of passion callers today. That was fantastic. Really good stuff. Justin, what's on tap for next week? What are we discussing? Do we know? Have we decided? Uh, I just decided. How about we do online piracy <gasps> next week? Ooh, wait, online piracy, like what? Like movies, music, that sort of movies, thing? Music, games, programs. It's something that I think we all have a moral opinion on. Mm-hmm. And yet I'd be very surprised if there is a clean slate amongst us, no matter whether uh, you know, where, where our lines are. Mm-hmm. I think that there's. A vast majority of people who listen to this that probably have pirated something in their lives. But oh, yeah. what is your moral code? Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. I know what I was doing during the Napster days. I can tell you that. And I'll save that for next week so you can hear. Now, I, we promised for weeks now and today made another promise on TMS that I would finally yes. reveal yes. the results yes. of the experiment, which was Justin said, oh, I don't even remember what the original reason why I had to pee on my somebody phone was. Call, somebody emailed in and said that this was a thing to avoid athletes foot. It was in our pee in the shower episode or we're responding to our pee in the shower episode. Somebody said that if you peed on your foot or your feet every day, you would avoid athletes foot. Right. And you said after admitting that you had never peed in the shower, that you are somebody that will get out of the shower, sopping wet to pee in the toilet. Yeah. uh, uh, You, said that not only would you break that seal, pun intended, uh, to pee in the shower, but you would do so on your own feet for health purposes. Yeah. How long have you done this? I did it one time. Okay, and, and so here, you did it once. Here's what happened. I went yeah. in there, and I've been waiting. It's good that actually time has gone past because I have an explanation for why I only did it once. Okay. Because it was stupid and humiliating and ridiculous, and I will never pee on my foot again. It was the worst. Humiliating. It was horrible. Humiliated in front of. I'm listen. I'm standing there. Imagine this, won't you? I'm looking down at my left foot. (laughs) In the shower, I'm naked because shower shower's going. uh, A curtain's closed. Curtain's closed. Well, we have a glass thing, but the room's closed. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Partition is drawn. Right. Partition's drawn. I'm looking down at my left foot. And I realize, all right, this is it. <laughs> I have to figure out what I'm going to do here. Suddenly, the logistics kick in. I, I have, have to, to figure out what you're going to do here. I have to hold on to my wiener. I have yes. to aim it on my. I have to aim toward my left foot, and I have to. Uh, I assume pee the entire bladder full of pee out of my foot, and do that on a consistent daily basis forever long. 
or however many times I had to pee in the shower. Yeah. I did it one time. It's, uh-huh. it's warm and weird, and I yeah. hated it so bad that I said, no way, I'm, I'm never doing this again. Never am I peeing on my own foot again. Ever. I'm embarrassed to admit that I peed on my foot. Have but, you, wait, have you ever had athlete's foot? No. I don't know, maybe when I was a kid or something, teenager, but not. You You, you never had to had to toss some uh, tough actin, tin actin on those, no. uh, and on those dogs? No, and I've never had, like, in this case, it was kind of a more of a, like, if we were going to do a long-term experiment, it'd be like a prevention yeah. thing, I guess. But since I never really had it as an adult, I don't know what I'm preventing, like if I'm even doing anything. So that's, yeah. that's adding to the problem. No, no, no. It was literally just you doing it. Uh, 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 but, but you immediately felt the fool. Yes. You felt literally naked and humiliated. I hate, I, nobody was there. I think I was the only one in the house at the time. And all I could think of was like, my gosh, between what my- am I doing? <laughs> Dude, I seriously, that's how I felt. And then, then, and then I couldn't scrub my feet enough in that shower session. Cause I'm just like, there's no way this is coming <laughs> off. And I get out of the shower, and for the rest of the day, I'm very conscious of my foot. Just I, I can feel it's there all the time. <laughs> so it was a bad scene, bad scene. <laughs> On that note, oh my god, I'm dying! I can't believe you guys talked oh me into it. Oh my god! All I can think of is just. Like just Kim saying to you over the dinner table, why do you keep looking at your foot? <laughs> my shoe feels funny. What's going on? And the whole the whole <laughs> thing. A pebble in my shoe. You guys got to remember the whole point of it was uh, that it's that. Well, first of all, it was the shower thing that we we're talking about, but also this idea oh, that God. you know pee's no big deal. Now I know there are people out there, maybe even listening to the show right now, that are way into pee. Like they like they like getting peed on, uh, and things. I know that's a thing. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, let, let, let's not, let's not, don't, all right. Number one, you're lashing out because you, you beat on your foot and now you feel a shame. You don't need to kink shame because that, well, you Well, that's what I'm trying scared. to say is I'm not trying to lump you all into my feeling of, of disgustedness. So what I'm saying is don't send me a bunch of emails going, well, for some of it's a, it's a lifestyle and you were. Oh yeah. Oh I, no. Everybody for, for God's sakes, stay off of uh, Scott extended himself beyond his comfort zone for this <laughs> podcast. The only, in fact, I do want you to email Scott directly and just say thank you. <laughs> Two words, and then you're done with the email. Literally, just email him. Thank you for doing this. This was an amazing, yeah. an amazing moment in the show's history, yeah. and uh, uh, one that I think is good enough to say. Next week, we might have an opportunity for you to pay Scott back uh, uh, by uh, by by our by way of our new Patreon. We we uh, hopefully will have that set up by yep. the time that we do the show next week uh and on the list of things here i'll tell you what we have a list of things that we want to give you guys exclusively through the patreon but i want to hear from you guys as to what you would want from the patreon so go ahead and email us what you would want from a patreon of unfriend me uh uh, unfriend me show at gmail.com also send your paying college athletes thoughts also send your online piracy thoughts again Unfriend me show at gmail.com. Also, put this one in your phone. 801 285 9395. Here's one other thing to do. If you only listen to this on podcast, but you everything, oh man, I should listen one day and, and call in. Uh, download the Twitch app, follow Frog Pants, and set your notifications to let you know. You can listen audio only at work. You skip out for five seconds, give us your hot call. And you are good to go. That's great. Good advice all around. Uh, Yes, all of that and more. Go do that. 
If you're looking for details for the show and want to know where to find it, check out the video archives of previous episodes. We have those up on YouTube as well. Find all of that at unfriend or sorry, frogpants.com slash unfriend me. And I guess that's it. Next week, online piracy. Get yourselves ready for what will likely be a fantastic time together with you and me and them right here on Unfriend Me. So that's going to do it for me and for Justin and for all of you. Have a fantastic week. Don't pee on yourselves. And we'll see you next time. Or do and don't be a baby. Yeah, don't be a baby like me. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)